0: I'm so uh, uh, thankful and, and grateful that the Lord's gathered us here into this auditorium and that we don't just get to uh, hear the gospel preached, we get to sing the gospel. Uh, we were just singing just a moment ago from Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6, and uh, before uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John ever penned their gospel, <laughs> they had the gospel of Isaiah, so, and it says there, Unto us uh, a child will be born, unto us a son will be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and we shall call his name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I say that by way of introduction um, as we've been going through this series of looking at our Lord and God, our Savior, being the Alpha and the Omega of our salvation, the the A, the Z, and everything in between. We've been looking at each letter. And the last uh, letter we looked at was letter M. And uh, what, a, what a miracle of God's grace that you sitting there where you are and, and me staying behind this pulpit that we believe truly that the Lord Jesus Christ is the promised Emmanuel, God with us. He is the, the mighty God who is mighty to save sinners. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at the letter uh, N. And we're going to park there for a little bit. And I trust as we look at these uh, uh, various titles and descriptions of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, of the letter N, N, it'll be a blessing for you because it's certainly been a blessing to me. Now, where our brother just read from, in uh, John uh, chapter 1, we have uh, Philip. Uh, He comes although John doesn't record him running, but you can almost hear the excitement uh, as he comes to Philip, or Philip coming to Nathaniel, and he says there in John chapter 1, it says there in verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth. And that's the first letter N we'll be looking at, how the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was prophesied that he be a Nazarene. John, the evangelist, writes here the words of uh, Philip's testimony to Nathanael, and he says, We have found him, the one whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Daniel said unto him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And in verse 47, what a what a glorious thing is happening in this verse. Uh, just prior in John chapter 1, uh, the last prophet of the Bible, John the Baptist, he says there, I believe it's in verse 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world, the sins of His chosen amongst Every nation, every people, every tongue, um, and then here we have the very Lamb of God, beholding one of His precious sheep, Nathaniel, washed in His blood, made the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He says of Nathaniel, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile." What a what a wonderful testimony of uh, the gospel fact beloved that you've been washed truly of all your sins with his precious blood and you've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ now this uh, word uh, nazareth or that he would be called a nazarene in in Matthew's gospel if you turn there with me and this is the first letter N we're looking at this morning in Matthew's gospel in chapter 2 it says there in verse twenty-three, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, if you take the time uh, to look through the scriptures, you're going to have some difficulty uh, trying to reconcile how, what, what, what fulfillment that is. Um. But I, I read some, some helpful um, uh, articles talking about the original language. And evidently, um, the word uh, Nazarene is a Greek rendering of the Hebrew word uh, nes, net, netzer, which means a branch. And once we know what that word means, the, he shall be called a branch, in John, or rather in Matthew 2.23... Um, And being an inhabitant of Nazareth, or Netzer, and it was so-called from the multitude of plants and trees that grew there, we see the fulfillment in Isaiah. In the Gospel of Isaiah chapter 11, we read there, it says there in verse 1 and 2, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch, a Netzer, a Nazareth, Shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Our Lord and God is a Nazarene. That is, he is a rod of the stem of Jesse and a branch from the root of David. Uh, In the book of Revelation, our Lord and God declares, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. So that's uh, the fulfillment there of Isaiah, that he is a branch. And that's why Matthew records in chapter 2, verse 23, that he fulfilled that prophecy, that he shall be called uh, a Nazarene, a branch. Another uh, thing to consider about our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, is that He has a name which is above every name. Um, We read in Philippians, if you turn there with me, so we've looked at His being a a Nazarene, and now in Philippians chapter 2, we see there how that He is a name that is above every name. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says there, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, that is the the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, uh, the the, the Christ of God, the, the King of God. And he has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, beloved, the reason His name is above every name is threefold. It's threefold. He has that name by the Father's decree. He has that name by right. And He has that name by merit, the merit of His doing and dying on behalf of His people to satisfy His Father. You see, beloved, He is the Savior that never leaves nor forsakes us. So he's a Nazarene. He has a name above every name. In fact, uh, while we're looking at that, uh, let's remind ourselves of what it says there in Acts chapter 4, if I'm not mistaken. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says there, "...neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved." Just looking at the letter end. <laughs> it's it's glorious how we can just park on one little letter N, and go through and see all these glorious uh, attributes and titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, beloved, He is the Savior that never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's a Savior who never leaves His people. Uh, we read that in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. In verse five, it says, "There, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For He hath said, and what a what a comfort, what a what a what a cause to be content. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee." He never lies to sinners, beloved. He never leaves sinners, nor does he ever lie to sinners. He says in John 14, verse 6, I am the truth, the life, and the way, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And he never tries to save sinners. You know, that's what they like to pedal up and down 59, that there's a Savior who's made an attempt to save you, but now you have to do something to make what he did on the cross to work. But that's not it. Uh, Isaiah records, he shall not fail. The sweet psalmist of Israel says, whatsoever he doeth prospers. Oh, my friend, you need this Savior. He is the one needful thing. And if you truly are a sinner, he will heal you, he will save you, and he will keep you. We read in Luke chapter 9, and this is a great comfort, and we're just looking at the letter N. I pray that, in spite of my poverty, the Lord will be pleased to bless his word and power and save his people. and you know, beloved, he has saved us, He is saving us, and he one day, one glorious day he shall save us from our sins. in Luke chapter 9, it says there in verse 11, and I, I love this blessed detail, how that our Lord and God Jesus Christ heals them that have need of healing. I don't know about you, but I I can speak for myself. I I need to be healed all the time. I need the merits of His blood all the time. I need that that, that blood that pardons of not just some of my sins, but all of my sins. And I need His spotless, perfect righteousness, the righteousness of God, (laughs) which is in Christ Jesus. And it says here, what a comfort. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 9. And the people, when they knew it, followed him, that is, they followed our Lord, and our Lord received them, and he spake unto them the, of, uh, he spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. Do you need to be healed? I need to be healed all the time. He's like our Lord said of himself. <laughs> in Luke 10, verse 42. He's the one thing needful. Isn't that what we read at the concluding verse of Luke chapter 10? Just over the page, he says there, in Luke chapter 10, verse 42, One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You see, the only... uh, if I could put it this way, the only issue that, that really matters is Christ. That's why the Apostle John writes in his uh, first epistle, uh, I believe this is uh, 1 John 5, verse 12. He said, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God has not life. Sinner, do you have need of pardon? His precious shed blood cleanses sinners of all of their sins. Beloved, did you hear that? (laughs) His blood cleanseth us from all sin. What's the point I'm trying to make? Simply this. If He died for 99.9% of my sins and 0.01 depended upon me, I'd have no joy. I'd have no hope. I'd have no comfort whatsoever. He's not part of our salvation, beloved. He's All of our salvation. He's the Savior who saves to the uttermost. Beloved, if we confess our sins because of the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, God can be both just and justifier of them that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, beloved, we confess our sins and because of the doing and dying of Christ, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sinner, do you need holiness? Or could I put it this way to you? Do you have a need of holiness? In His precious broken body, He lived for us that life that pleases the Father. It's the life that the law of God demands. And we can't do it. I can't do it, and you can't. But He did, beloved, on behalf of His people. In His precious... Broken body, he lived for us that life that pleases the Father, so that by the blood and righteousness of Christ we now receive double for all our sins and iniquities. He's a needful Savior, is he not? Just looking at the letter N, he's uh, the the fulfillment of the promise that he shall be called a, a Nazarene. <laughs> no man but him is called that branch. Uh, he is the, the Savior who never forsakes and never leaves us. He is the Savior who never fails. He is the Savior who has a name that is above every name. And neither is there any other name given among men by which we must be saved. And He is that one thing needful. That one thing needful. Uh, that one thing needful. I love that 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 uh, verse in Luke 10, verse 42, we just read. <laughs> uh, Mary has chosen that good part, and which is the one thing needful. By His grace, um, He leaves us with no choice. We must have Him. We must have His blood. We must have His righteousness. It's uh, such a good thing that the Holy Spirit records for us the pattern of a believer. Um, we see that in the Apostle Paul, do we not? Here's Paul, this uh, self-righteous Jewish terrorist who thinks he's something. And the Lord knocked him off his high horse and put him into the dust to teach him he's nothing at all, and Christ is all. And in Philippians chapter 3, we see his testimony there. And I know uh, you who believe, beloved, you you can relate to this testimony. He says... uh, In the first part of chapter 3, he he gives a laundry list of what he once took comfort from. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, that bad. Um, That's what he would have thought as a religious, uh, unconverted man. You know, other people are worse than I am. And he went on through this laundry list. He says, uh, at the end of this long list... And you have your list too, beloved. There was a time when you thought, you know, I, I'm I'm a good man. I'm not so bad. I haven't I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't raped anybody. That would be the thinking. But then the Lord comes along and says, if you've so much as looked at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. You know, like you can be uh, thinking outwardly, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. But God looks on the inward part. And uh, we're guilty. We're guilty. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ was sent into the world to save a guilty wretch like you and a guilty wretch like me. And, but listen to the testimony of our brother. He says, But what things were gained to me, those things I counted for I counted loss for Christ. What he's saying there is, There were some things in the past that I thought curried God's favor. There are some things that I was doing or wasn't doing that I thought pleased God in this flesh where no good thing dwells. But now I've counted all those things lost for Christ. Verse eight of Philippians three. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. What's the, the excellency of the knowledge? that by the blood of this perfect man, this well-pleasing man in the sight of God, I'm washed truly of all my sins. This excellency knowing that in the body of this man, this man lived the life that I couldn't to please the Father on my behalf. The knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul would also, no doubt, say the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. What is that? It's Christ and him crucified. It's his blessed person and his finished saving work on behalf of his people. And he continues that I may win Christ verse nine and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And uh, in verse 12, he, he makes it plain and clear. He's he's not looking for God to do a work in His flesh. He's looking to the work that was finished in the flesh of God's Son for all His salvation. You know, you, you ask... Um, Some people, and some of you may have heard some uh, silly notion behind a pulpit. You know, somebody. I know. I know Sandra can remember the time when she was in Pentecostal religion. You know, and somebody would say, "Where do, where do you want to be found when the Lord comes comes back?" And the answer comes back, "Oh, I want to be found working in His vineyard. (laughs) I want to be found uh, reading my Bible. I want to be found." Um, handing out gospel tracts. I want to be found uh, doing uh, in, in prayer. I want to be found in this auditorium, in a, in a, in a local church. That's not it. <laughs> Paul said, I want to be found in Christ. I want to be found in His righteousness. And you know what, beloved? No matter where we are, no matter where we go, <sighs> He's with us all the way. We have His righteousness through His life. I hate my life. I don't want to be found in my sorry life on that day. I want to be found in the glorious, perfect life of Christ. And, beloved, we are. We are found in Him who lacks nothing. He's accomplished for us a full and complete salvation, a full and complete pardon of all our sins by His blood, and a full and complete righteousness, the very righteousness of God through His doing. And that's been made ours. It's called imputation. That's why we read in 2 Corinthians chapter. Verse 21, and such a a, a glorious thing that we never tire of saying it over and over again. How that our Heavenly Father made His dear, sinless Son, He who knew no sin, said no sin, thought no sin, committed no sin, nevertheless it pleased the Father to make Him sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. (laughs) So that I can look at a sinner like you and a sinner like me and say, this is my child <laughs> in whom I'm well pleased. How can that be? Only by the power of the gospel. That can't happen in any earthly court. But God purposed a way from before the foundation of the world, before Adam ever fell in the garden, before any of us were ever born, God purposed to save His people in the strictest, righteousness and uprightness there is, so that he can be both just and justifier of them that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I quoted this a moment ago. I'll quote it again. As the Lord's people confess their sins, God is now, what does it say? I'm trying to remember here. (laughs) He is uh, just and faithful (laughs) to forgive us our sins. How come? Because a man uh, stood in our place and said, uh, in in, in the covenant exchange of words, I do not intend to degrade it or or, uh, dishonor it. But in effect, the Son said to the Father, uh, Give me the guilt and the mess And the sin of my people, put it on me. Make it mine, Father. And give them my glory, my good, (laughs) my perfection. So that now I can look out and see uh, there's not just my brother, not just my sister. (laughs) But there's Saint so-and-so. There's Saint so-and-so. And it isn't because of some absurd idea that you have any merit in yourself. All your saving merit is found in the blood and righteousness of Christ alone. And we're just staying on this word, and I need Him. I need Him all the time. I need the, the, the preciousness of that blood and the preciousness of His person, that He's that perfect man who lived for me. And He ever liveth. <laughs> He is seated right now on the Majesty on High, interceding for us. So that everything is um, been taken care of, if I could put it that way. Everything I need to be saved has been taken care of. <laughs> Nothing's missing. Nothing. That's why the believers talk about joy unspeakable. That's why the believers talk about uh, rest, comfort. And it has everything to do with Him. And nothing whatsoever to do with you. You know, in in Spanish, you would hear preachers say just horrible things. You know, they say, I'll translate this. But, you know, they say, depende de ti, (laughs) which means depends on you. Oh, no, it doesn't dependent the El. depends on upon him and him alone and uh, we're so prone to forget we're so prone to have our eyes drift off of Christ and start looking here and start navel gazing uh, whatever it takes and you know what it takes the one means God uses to aliven and quicken, and comfort his people. It's his own word. That's it. (laughs) Um, Let me read you his own word. And I'll even read the punctuation for you. (laughs) Because all of it's good. Uh, Look what it says in uh, Jonah. The book of Jonah. uh, Chapter 2, I believe. And isn't that just before... uh, See here, small prophets. In Jonah chapter two, it says there in verse nine. It says there in verse 9, Salvation is of the Lord, period. <laughs> now, a right understanding of that will never uh, give a man or woman who believes uh, a blank check to uh, sin. Quite the opposite. When the Lord teaches you that His well-pleasing Son was made your sin and you caused His pain and you caused His indescribable suffering on the cross? You understand why Paul said, uh, he, he asked that question that he must have been hearing. So should we sin so that grace may abound? And he said, God forbid. God forbid. Now, just to conclude here, the last couple of ends, it's kind of sloppy <laughs> to, to look at all these different ends all over the place here. But I trust you're hearing that he's the fulfillment of that prophecy that Matthew 2, verse 23 talks about, how that he should, he should be called a, a, a Nazarene, a branch. And that's Isaiah 1, uh, Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. And how that he is that uh, one needful thing in uh, Luke 10, verse 42 And the one needful thing, and she's, every believer who's chosen by God's grace, that that good portion, it won't be taken from you. He doesn't save you on a Friday and then takes it away on a Monday. If He saved you, He saved you everlastingly. And we've looked at how His name is above every name. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. His name. What name? Jesus. Call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. He's a, a Savior who never forsakes us nor leaves us. Hebrews 13.5. And then lastly, just a, the little bit of time we have left here. He is the Savior. If you're believing on His, on his name, if you're believing on, on who He is, what He did, where He is, <laughs> you will never be ashamed for having believed on Him, uh, Psalm thirty-one, one, Psalm thirty-one, one. It says there in Psalm thirty-one, one, in Thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in whose righteousness and Thy righteousness, beloved, but beloved, you will. You will never, you will never be put to confusion for having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in, in Psalm 71, verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to to confusion deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape incline thine ear unto me and save me <laughs> lastly beloved no one and nothing can separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus We read in John 10, verse 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And the Apostle writes in Romans 8, beginning in verse 34, remember we're just talking about how, beloved, no one and nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The Apostle writes, and I'll conclude with this, This is Romans 8, beginning in verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Is there something going on, beloved? Just add it to that list. Just add it to that list. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded, I have no doubt about this, because this has been revealed to me from above. The Lord didn't just... it's not just in my head. The Lord put it in my heart. I know this. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nor, nor, nor any other creature. So, so no one and nothing can separate us, beloved, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.